Through Their Mother's Eyes is a series of conversations with mothers who share their hearts and experiences raising black sons who because of the color of their skin are often feared, hated, and not valued as human beings. This episode was originally longer, but we decided to split it up in two parts. We really wanted to invest in the story of Florence and why she decided to start this podcast. In our second episode, you can look forward to hearing more in depth about her story of being a single black mother and raising two black sons. Today, Florence, I have the wonderful opportunity that you are our first interview. How do you feel? I feel a little strange because I don't like to be recorded, but otherwise I feel good. Well, you're in the wrong area then. But um, I, I'm really excited that we get to talk because so many people, I've, I've known your story for a few years and so many people have not. So before we get into some questions, do you think that they, you can talk to me a little bit about your background and your story, where you're from, stuff like that? So I was, I was born in New York. Mm-hmm. I was born in Manhattan and I am the third of three children. I'm the youngest is, and I'm sure people who know me can, can tell that I'm the youngest. My parents immigrated here to the States from Haiti so that my dad could attend, could go to graduate school at Harvard. So they were in, they were in Massachusetts. They were in Cambridge, Massachusetts during the early sixties, which I know is a, is a thing. So uh, relevant to a lot of what we're, the, the reason that we're doing this, but they, yes, yeah, so they immigrated here and my father took various positions. He worked as a, as an environmental and civil, a civil and environmental engineer. And he worked for USAID for, for our government. He worked for the World Health Organization. He worked for the United Nations. He did all of this work in third world countries. So a lot of work in sub-Saharan Africa. I was, when I was 13 months old, we moved from the New York metropolitan area to Africa. We lived in Guinea, and I always get this out of, out of order because I was a baby, but lived in, in Guinea. And we also, so I've lived in Central African Republic, in Burkina Faso, in Zaire, which is now called the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mm. And I, I think I'm missing some, but anyway, spent a lot of time back and forth living in, in Africa. And when we didn't live in Africa, we lived here in the States and my parents co- coming from the Caribbean. I'm sorry, let me do this. Cause this is a, this is a mm. podcast. So this is real life and mm. my phone is dinging cause I forgot to, to silence it. So we spent a lot of time going back and forth from, from Africa for the different assignments that my, that my dad had. And when we lived here, we lived in, you know, we lived in suburbia. My parents being from the Caribbean education is huge for them. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to make sure that their kids had the 
best education and they knew where where to go for that. So I grew up in, I won't even say predominantly white neighborhoods for the most part. It was, there were three black kids and it was me, my brother and my sister. And so, and, and my brother, because he's five years older than I am and my sister's three and a half years older than I am. There was a lot of times I was the only one in a particular school or in that part of the school. So lower elementary, et cetera. So that's that I consider that a really important part of my story because with everything that's going on here and with the questions about racial inequality and black people, I, I think it is important to to note that we all have different stories and we all come from different places. And we while we have certain things in common, we also have a lot of a lot of things that are different about us. We are diverse within, within ourselves. So grew up, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure what, you know, I, I went to, I went to a, I went to a private boarding school in high school in New Jersey because my parents, my father had taken, he was taking an assignment in Africa and, he, they gave me the option. They said, you can either go to school in Switzerland or you can go to, to school here in the States. And I wanted to stay in the States because my brother was at University of Delaware. My sister was at Rutgers in New Jersey. And I thought I'm at least close to them. My godmother was in New York. And so I figured, you know, if I went to school in Switzerland and I flew quote unquote home to go see my parents, that would be just not, not very often. So went to a boarding school in New Jersey, which as you can imagine was also, was also predominantly white. There were a handful of black students and there were a handful of Asian and a handful of, of Latino Hispanic students. But for the most part, the school was predominantly white, expensive. And so the, the socioeconomic the, the, the socioeconomic situation of the majority of the students was, you know, coming from money or at least having the means to, to be able to afford the school or to do the things they needed to do to, to have their, their children attend. So did that. And then before that, though, that was 10th through 12th grade. In ninth grade, I actually went to a school in South Orange, New Jersey, that was split almost down the middle with white and black students. Really? Um, yeah. So coming from the coming from the white suburbs where I heard a lot of and by the way even in the embassy communities most of the people were white mm. and kept within they stayed within the community. They even, you know, they didn't go shopping at the market. They went to the commissary, you know, for the 10, 11 dollar head of lettuce and you know, my mom and some other people would go to the market because being from the Caribbean and speaking French, it was easier to, you know, to bargain and to, to do all the things that the people, that the people in those African countries did. So the year that I went to a, that I went to the, the high school in South Orange, New Jersey was, it was a rude awakening for me because I walked in and I didn't, I didn't fit in to, 
anywhere. So the way this school was set up, obviously you have the white students and their friends and they're okay with the black students and everything, but they don't really hang out. And then you have the black students who have their own, you know, and they came from multiple areas. They came from Irvington, Newark, a, a lot of, a lot of, of, of areas around South Orange and East Orange, Orange, etc. If you know, New Jersey, you know what I'm talking about. And they, so the white students assumed I was going to go hang out with the black kids and the black kids thought that I was putting on some kind of front. I didn't speak the way they did. I didn't, you know, dress the way they did. I, I didn't, I didn't belong. And so I often tell people that I, that I <laughs> became a track star in high school in 10th through 12th grades because I had to learn how to run because wow. the, there were there were a couple of girls who really had a problem with me and they would chase me every day. And, I, and you know, I, I will tell people to this day, I don't know how to fight. So I learned how to run. So they, wow. yeah. And that was my, that was my experience going to school with people who looked like me. And then I, you know, then I went to, I went to boarding school in New Jersey and it was, it was a slightly different, it was, it was slightly different, but I will tell you, and then I'm going to let you actually ask me a question. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that growing up in the white suburbs, the way I did going to boarding school in high school, I got a lot of the, well, you're not my black friend flow. You're just my friend flow. Cause you don't talk like they do. You don't act like they do. You don't look like they do. And this was from kids, right? So from little kids, I was getting it from when I was little. And I knew at the time that that was, you know, that's, that's not right because the way my parents raised me was to, to recognize my own worth and, and the value and what I bring to the table and to be proud of my, my heritage. So my Haitian heritage, and then to be proud of, of being an American and, and everything else that, that, that is woven into my family, which is, you know, there's Haitian, there's Greek, there's, there's, there's Christian, there's Jewish, there's, there's French, there's, you know, my grandmother was from Guadeloupe. I mean, there's just so much everything in there that my parents just raised me to, to be proud of everything that I was made of. So when the kids would say that to me, I knew that that was, I knew that that was off, but I think that because of the neighborhoods I grew up in, the people I grew up around, the schools I went to, the way I speak, and I have to say that my mother is a sociolinguist, and there was no speaking Black vernacular English or any other kind of English other than standard English in the household. It wasn't because that's too Black or that's too Southern or that's too country. It was just, this is the way you speak. And then if you can speak in other ways, for example, I can speak French and Creole, you can do that, but there, you know, you need to be able to speak the language of this country in the standard way. And so I, I was never quite, you know, never, I was always, I was always out of place basically. And I think that when I was growing up because of the way I speak and the way, 
I, you know, the places where I lived, et cetera, people who were not black could kind of say to themselves, well, she's okay. And I'm not saying that to say that people who are not black are, you know, they all hate black people or whatever. It's just that we're more comfortable with what we know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look like what they knew, but I spoke like what they knew. I acted like, like what they knew. I, I tried to fit into what they knew. And so because of that, I feel like people, you know, people felt, people felt more comfortable with me, but my people, the people who looked like me did not, except for my family, which is huge, but I didn't live near any of them, but people, you know, people, black people didn't quite know what to do with me. But what I always knew was that it doesn't matter because when somebody sees me, the first thing they're going to see is that I'm black. They're not going to see where I grow up, grew up. They're not going to see how I speak. They're not going to see what I'm proud of, what I, you know, they're not going to see any of that. The first thing they're going to see is that I'm black. And now as the mother of two black sons, I see that that is even more important to understand. Thank you for joining us for Through Their Mother's Eyes, Real Talk with Moms of Black Sons. We'll be back next week with another great conversation. In the meantime, don't forget to like and follow us and join the conversation on Facebook or Instagram.